Everything that lives is designed to end. We are perpetually trapped in a never-ending spiral of life and death. Is this a curse? Or some kind of punishment? I often think about the god who blessed us with this cryptic puzzle, and wonder if we'll ever have the chance to kill him. Field, a podcast where a group of longtime friends get together to talk about the world of video games. Today, we're talking about a fantastic game made by Platinum Studios and published by Square Enix, Near Automata. My name is Andrew Kimball, and I am your host. Joining me on this episode, I have Caleb Van Ice. Hello! Did I pronounce that correctly, Caleb? You did. It's, it's, uh, yeah. It's, I know it's complicated because it's Dutch, but it's, it, I think you did okay. <laughs> Wait, what's Dutch? Van Nice. It's 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 literally <laughs> like a- Okay. And uh joining us on this episode, we have a very special guest. Welcome to the podcast, Katie Shesko. Hello. Now, Katie, did I pronounce automata correctly? <laughs> I used to say it automata, but a lot of people say it's automata, like automation, automata. I don't think there's ever really been a consensus, so... Okay. Well, I'm glad to know I pronounced Van Nice correctly, because I've only known you for like a thousand years, Caleb. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, before we dive in, I just want to ask that if you enjoy our show, please tell your friends. It would really mean a lot. Also, go check out our website, levelplayingfieldgaming.com. From there, you can find links to all of our social media pages, YouTube channel, and Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, Caleb... Yes. What is happening over on Patreon these days? Well, we still have our two podcast our two bonus podcasts up and up and running over on Patreon. You'll get access to two additional podcasts we do. They alternate one each one every other week. So on one week you will get the open mic podcast, which is just where whoever is available uh will hang out talk about whatever happened to us that week weird topics tv shows whatever we've been up to lately basically gonna say the episode that went live most recently as of recording this is titled naps invincible and vin diesel right so So just whatever comes to our head like naps the tv show invincible and the actor director singer songwriter vin diesel uh when (laughs) when whatever pops into our head and then we have the movie podcast where me and usually Aubrey and sometimes uh, various other guests just discuss any movies that we can talk about for as long as we want to. It's basically the just us chatting about whatever as it pertains to movies for usually about an hour and a half to two hours. And if you would like to get examples of both of those shows, our main feed does have uh, little sampler episodes of each show. So for the open mic uh, episode, we have the one where we were talking about various fast food experiences and how long is worth the wait for fast food. And then the movie podcast, I believe the one you put up is the one where we talked about the Disney live action remakes, correct? Yes. Yep. We had many thoughts. Many, many thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That. That's quite a topic. I'm sure you could probably revisit that one multiple times if you wanted to. <laughs> we We could. Also, if you're on our Discord, you get access to our 
If you are on our <laughs> Patreon, you get access to our Discord. I said the computer words in the right order that time. Um, where you can come hear us talk about things. You'll get little updates. You know, you want to hear our thoughts and some of the newest, latest video gaming news that doesn't quite make it in time for the podcast. That's where you get kind of our first reactions and chatter and stuff. And you can hang out and talk in there, too. And then uh, at the $10 tier, it is still the $10 mm-hmm. tier, right? Yeah, okay. I, I didn't know if you changed anything while I wasn't paying attention. Um, <laughs> we, st- Which is always... <laughs> I don't have a, I don't have a witty comeback for that because I wasn't paying attention. I was uh, thinking of something else. But there you can also get a shout out. So if you want plugs for what you're working on or just want to be appreciated in public, did I miss anything or leave anything out? Uh, just you can get unedited versions of this show. It's it's sandwiched in between the two that you mentioned. So that's pretty much it. Um, but if you have any suggestions or something that would make you want to become a patron, uh, patron, you can definitely like message me or let us know and i mean it's flexible we yeah. definitely want to include people so if there's that one thing you're like well i would join if you did this we might be able to do that so just let me know but that is enough housekeeping let's move over to something a little bit more important for this episode we have a guest hello katie <laughs> how are you doing tonight i'm doing great how are you i i'm doing pretty good it's we're like a day away from friday as of the night we're recording this and so i'm looking forward to the weekend me too me too <laughs> so all right it's time to get to know you a little bit it's time for the the audience out there to get to know you and um let's start with just a little bit of your background as it pertains to this show uh gaming you know how long have you been gaming? Oh. What kind of games do you like? What got you into the hobby, etc.? Yeah. So I've been gaming for probably since I was five or six. Very casually. Uh, I played like my cousin's SNES. I remember Duck Hunt. That was a favorite. And then for Christmas, my grandma bought us a Sega Genesis. So I played a lot of Sega Genesis, like the classic Sonic Aladdin. I would make my mom play some of the harder stuff <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I was like five or you know, six or seven or whenever that came out. So yeah. and then we kind of stayed a Nintendo family. So we had like the um, oh, God, the the Nintendo 64. And I played a lot of Banjo-Kazooie, played a little bit of Zelda at that time, but not a whole lot. Um, Diddy Kong Racing was another big one. Yeah. I'm the oldest of four, so there was okay. always someone to play. So we had Mario Party too. I'm very competitive with my Mario Party even to this day. A lot of, uh, lot of multiplayer games. A huh? lot of multiplayer games. Um, and then kind of like as I got older, I stopped gaming in high school. And when I went off to college, I was studying to be an engineer and all the consoles got to stay with the family because like I said, I was the oldest. So all the younger kids got to keep all the consoles. So I kind of stopped gaming in that time frame. And then in 2016, my youngest sister, she's 10 years younger than me, moved in with me because she was going to school in Pittsburgh. And she brought all of her consoles. And she's like, all right, you're not going to finally play all the games you should have been playing all these years. Because <laughs> she brought, like, her Wii U. We had a Wii at that point, which I played very casually, like, every once in a while. But, like, she brought her Wii U, her PS3, her PS4. And she's like, all right, oh, you're wow. finally going to get through all of these games. 
And that's a, around the time that we set up our first Twitch channel. So my original Twitch name was Backseat Link because I was playing Zelda games and she was backseating me. So she was mm. my Backseat Link. So I got through like Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask because, because I started Majora's Mask when I was younger and I was like, I hate the three day time limit. I can't do the it time limit. It is terrifying. <laughs> So she's like, no, I know it. We can get through this together. And I was like, all right. So I do. I I played it and I have a huge appreciation for it. But yeah, so I did that. Then she made me play The Last of Us. I watched her play Uncharted because she loves Uncharted. So yeah, I just kind of started picking up games there. And then we kind of shifted on the channel. She wasn't interested in streaming anymore. She was getting busy. And so I just started gaming my favorite games. And yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. I now stream three days a week and I do mostly gaming and yeah. That's awesome. So uh, the takeaways I took from that is that you have a really good little sister. Yes. To, to bring you back into the gaming fold like that. And also we found the one other person in the world, Caleb, that had a Wii U. Look, it's not a bad <laughs> console. It just had an <laughs> awkward launch. Let me tell you, I actually, I just listened to your episode on nintendo consoles or just consoles and you're talking about it and i actually enjoyed it maybe because like i didn't play very many games but i played wind waker and i played twilight princess and i loved having the extra screen for it it was fantastic so for that regards i loved it i thought it was great but i can see where you know people are like why but this is also coming from someone that like i don't own a lot of consoles at this point in time my sister's moved out she's been out for a couple years so like i have a pc and i have the switch and i still have my wii but that's not hooked up so i don't really count that anymore (laughs) right but i have the pc and i have a switch so like that's all i really need (laughs) yeah Yep. No, yeah. no, it was a uh it was i mean we could just sit all day reiterating the wii u but it was a weird I don't know. It was a weird console Nintendo kind of botched that I I liked. I enjoyed. It had good stuff. It just didn't, you know, it didn't get the traction it needed. And it was also right up against the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. And those had a much better, you know, pitch of like, it's the thing you need to play half the games you want to play. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, poorly, poorly marketed. I I do think the console itself was. You know, it was good. It just was, it was confusing. Oh, yeah. you know, is this a Wii with the, what's the, U? yeah, you know, but we'll, we'll just bring you back when we do the episode on the Wii U. Cause that's yeah, not what perfect. this episode is about. <laughs> no, we're supposed My, to talk about some robots or something. <laughs> yeah. We're going to get to that next question for Katie though. What is your favorite game of all time? If you have one. All right, so it's like I have two kids, so it's like telling me to choose between my kids. So I'll give my top two because it really depends on my mood, but that is near Nier Automata, and uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Those are my top two games, and I love them for very different reasons, so I can't pick a favorite. So I always give those as my top two. And yeah, I do a lot of Breath of the Wild. I do a lot of Breath of the Wild bingos on my channel. So yeah, that's that's what I do mostly on Twitch. I think you I think you passed. If that was a test, you passed. But also, <laughs> what what is Breath of the Wild bingo? Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Basically, it's a 25 or a 25. It's a five by five grid and there's mm-hmm. various objectives. And oh, okay. you just based on what's going on in the game. And um, 
I do mostly blackouts with friends. So like there'll be like three or four of us and we'll just try to get all between the four of us, get all of the objectives. And yeah, so it's an interesting way to play Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Um, I got into it because like I've seen other games with bingos. I think Nier Automata also has a bingo as well as like Ocarina of Time. But with games like that, you have to be able to do glitches to like break sequence. Mm, but right. with Breath of the Wild, there is no breaking sequence because it's open world. So basically after you do the plateau and you have the paraglider, that's where your bingo file starts. So it's not like you're doing plateau over and over. It's like once you have the paraglider, you're good to go. So that's how I got into it because I was like, this is a really interesting way to play, but I don't have to learn a bunch of glitches. I can just play the game how I normally do. Now, I've I've picked up stuff here and there just to make it faster, but like I play with people who still always get a horse and ride around the entire map on a horse and don't do any speedrunning strats, but it, you know, it's still fun. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Yeah. That's- interesting take on on the game probably keeps it fresh huh? it does because people were really annoyed that i kept getting koroks and i was like but i like collecting koroks and i like playing this game they're like is there something new that you can do and that's when i found bingos i was like here you go and now i've kind of built my own little bingo community (laughs) well you've you've talked about twitch you've talked about the fact that you stream but Go ahead and plug all the other cool stuff that you're doing right now, and then we'll move into our main topic. But I know you've got all sorts of stuff going on. You do music and... I do. So I am a flute player, and I do covers of video game music. And the most recent thing that I've released was an EP featuring music from Near Replicant, and a couple sprinkled in from Automata, because, you know, you, you can have both. Why not? It's my EP. I got to do what I want. <laughs> but <Right. laughs> um, I... I just, I've always wanted to be a flute player, but I like, I just didn't think I'd get into a music school. And I was like, well, I'll do the responsible thing and I'll go to engineering school. And then I got pregnant after graduating with my bachelor's. And I was like, well, there goes that. <laughs> and it was just always in the back of my mind that like, I want to be a flute player, but like, I don't have what it takes to get into an or- an orchestra. And, um, I kind of was inspired by Taylor Davis. If you know her, she does violin covers of video game music. And she put out a course about how she did it. And I was like, well, if she can do it, why can't I do it on flute? So that's kind of where that started. I've been doing that for a couple of years now. So, And I just think video game music needs more flute. So I was just like, I'll, I'll be that. I'll fill that need <laughs> in everything. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it could hurt. No. <laughs> no, that's really cool. I like that. What yeah. is it about the flute? that drew you to that particular instrument i mean i my mom played it and so i kind of was always interested in it and i picked it up when i was 10 and i was decently good at it and i kept with it and even though i was an engineer i was still in marching band and concert band and pet band and i was taking private lessons and i joined a flute choir and i was still like heavily involved in music and um yeah i think like getting pregnant when I did really set the catalyst of doing this because I don't think I would do it if I was still just an engineer. Like I wouldn't be gaming on Twitch and I wouldn't be making music. So, you know, funny how life works out that way. But yeah, I just I I just loved the flute and I just always have stuck with it since I was 10. And yeah, like I said, I just think the world needs more flute music. And why not incorporate that with my other favorite hobby, which is video games? 
Yeah, that's awesome. If people wanted to go find you or check all that kind of stuff out, where would they go? So pretty much if you Google my name, you'll find okay. me. <laughs> um, I'm on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash katieshesko, twitch.tv slash katieshesko. Like I said, I do mostly gaming on Twitch. Copyright, there's a whole thing. That's a whole dis- different oh, discussion right. for a whole nother day. But Spotify, Apple Music, pretty much anywhere you can stream music, you can find me. If you just search my name, I'm the only one doing it with my name. So it's pretty easy to find me. Awesome. Cool. Well, with that, let's go ahead and we'll roll into our main topic for this episode. For this episode, we're talking about previously mentioned near automata, automata, sorry. Um, before we jump in completely, I'm going to just throw out your obligatory spoiler warning. We're going to spoil this game. That's the point. We're going to talk about all the weird, crazy things that happened in this game that make it so special. Uh, before we dive into all that, I'm just going to read a quick little blurb that I pulled from Wikipedia, giving a little bit of overview on the game, and then we'll dive right in. So. Near Automata is a 2017 action role-playing game developed by Platinum Games and published by Square Enix. It is a sequel to the 2010 video game Near, itself a spin-off of a sequel of the Drakengard series. The game was originally released for PlayStation 4 and Windows via Steam, with an Xbox One port being published the following year with the subtitle Become As Gods Edition. Set during a proxy war between alien-created machines and human-crafted androids, the story follows the trials of a combat android, her companion, and a fugitive prototype. The story requires multiple playthroughs, each unlocking additional story elements. Gameplay combines role-playing elements with action-based hack-and-slash combat and features switches between video game genres similar to that of Nier with elements ranging from shoot-'em-up and text adventure. So... Let's start with kind of where, I guess, our history with the series overall, but maybe our specifically with Automata, because that's what we're focusing on. Katie, I want to start with you because you said it's one of your favorite games of all time. So how did it, how did it get to be that way? (laughs) So my sister got it for her birthday from, and our birthdays are five days apart. um, Oh, wow. From her best friend. And she played through it and I watched her play most of it. And I was like, wow, this is like, this looks really cool. It's really interesting. And it has like, the music is fantastic. And then my husband was playing through it. And I was like, well, okay, now I've watched like two people play through it. Like, do I actually need to play this game? Then I started playing it. They convinced me, they're like, no, 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 Katie, you actually have to play the game. So I did. And I just, I fell in love. It was like the music immediately set like sucks you in. And as a musician, like the music is really important to me. So yeah, I fell in love with the music. I fell in love with Tubi as a character, like her story, the trials. I liked how it had like little homages to other games, which was really mm-hmm. cool. And like it had plenty of story, but there was still like a lot of side questing you can do, which I for those of you who know nothing about me, I'm a completionist. Like I, I hundred percent every game I play for the most part. So wow. like it, you know, it had some interesting side quests. It it just yeah, I I don't know. Like I fell in love 
with this world. And the multiple endings was something I, I had never experienced in a game before, playing mostly Nintendo games, Zelda, Mario, stuff like that. So the multiple endings, I was like, wow, this is a really interesting way to tell the story. And you like every time it restarted, you're like, okay, well, what am, what am I going to learn this time? And then, you know, you move on to ending C and you're like, oh, 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 oh. So like, you know, it's just like, it's kind of heartbreaking. And then you're like, okay, well, how's this going to end for everyone? Like, um, I, I was, I really liked, like, it wasn't afraid to go there. And it really kind of made you question, like, life in a weird way. I don't know if that's like, if, if that's weird, but like, I was just. It, it kind of made you think, like, you know, why why are we here and why do we do the things we do sometimes? And not everything has a happy ending. And that sucks, but that's but that's true. So, yeah, it just it sucked me in. I was just like I loved playing it because I just loved the the ambiance of the world. Was it your first near game? Your first experience with with that universe? Yeah, it, it me was. too. Yeah. Well, it's it's. It's my only one that I've played. I was actually what got me to to actually finally sit down and play it because I'd had it on my PlayStation for a while and then it came out on Game Pass. And so it was always on like my backlog and my list. Of, like, I, I know I should play this at some point, but Near Replicant came out and I was seeing a lot of good like reviews for that game and seeing kind of the promotional stuff that was happening at the time for that game and and i wanted to play it i was like man i should I, i'm feeling the itch to play this game but i have automata on two systems right now i already own it i won't have to buy anything and i've been meaning to play it anyways so i'll start there i'll go play the one i have and yeah similar to you the the, the tone and the setting and the the music and all of that was probably what initially pulled me in and kept me going because the very beginning part is very jarring coming from other games that are similar you know yeah. like just the the button layout and the way that if you die in that first section the game just restarts and all that like just a lot of weird artsy kind of stuff that is a little bit to, to get things moving felt a little kind of awkward at first but once it opened up yeah i it was all i played until i beat it and i i had known you know that you had to play so many endings and i had known kind of that a few of those things but i didn't have anything spoiled for me as far as story or or what actually happened so it was it was a good experience uh i i enjoyed it as an experience but like you said it wasn't like a you know happy <laughs> experience necessarily like <laughs> I enjoyed the the experience and the art of it all, but I wasn't necessarily happy playing through it at every moment, you know, yeah. which I think was intentional. Caleb? Uh, so I'm the uh, odd man out that I haven't actually finished the game, but I probably started playing it a while before Andrew did. But basically what happened uh, was I heard the game got really good reviews. No idea really what it was either. Like I just I'd see people talking about oh near Automa when it like first dropped, and I'm like, cool. I saw a couple of video clips, including the bit from the opera, the opera house, and I'm like, okay. So you you know knowing the studios like I did, it's like Square Enix and Platinum kind of collabed on a game, and I'm like, 
that's a weird pair right there, just knowing what Platinum usually does and what Square Enix usually does. But then when you see it, you're like, so it's an artsy kind of esoteric spectacle fighter. Okay. And that opera sequence uh, in the 2B playthrough, you don't have the entire context, but it's still like this weird, strange, beautiful, like, thing happening in front of you. I'm like, all right, I'm intrigued, but I don't know. And then, you know, I kind of just let it drop off my radar until I saw some discussion specifically about the ending. And I watched a video just sort of breaking down like, okay, here's what happened at the ending and here's why it's interesting. And at the time, I had no intention of playing it. I had a big backlog that was, you know, twenty seven, late 2017, early 2018 when it was hitting my radar. So I'm like, I've got still more Zelda to play. I've still got, you know, Mario Odyssey just dropped. Um, I was in the middle of college at the time. So it's like, I don't have the time. Let's see what the big deal about the ending is. And I watched the ending and immediately, like, that was a month before Black Friday. Black Friday hit. I bought near a ton. It's like, I have to own this. I don't know if I'll ever have the time to finish it, but I have to own this because that's, I am all about that kind of insane metafictional thing. And when it's like, oh yeah, again, we've already covered the spoiler, but like literally the final boss is the credits of the game. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sold, sold, absolutely sold. <laughs> and it breaks down sort of the, um, it breaks down sort of the emotional like weight of what all of that means. It's not just like a weird, because I enjoy this sort of thing, but I've seen video games where it's like a weird sort of like, hey, it's a video game and we're making a game about how it's a video game and you press the button, it does the thing because you know it's a video game. And it's like, that's cute, but it doesn't mean anything. In Nier Automata, it all means stuff. It all has very big <laughs> philosophical implications. There's actually, and like I said, I still haven't finished it. It was one of those things where I bought it that Black Friday and then I started it up on that winter break uh, in between semesters at college and I just played for probably about 15 hours had a great time but then got swamped and just never was able to go back to it and then uh what, what kind of kick-started this for this go through is my brother just finished college and he comes back and he's like can I play through near Potomata? I'm like sure <laughs> and so I kind of get to watch him play it in chunks and the recurring joke in our house as I walked by each time something insane and deep philosophical just whatever going on I'm like this game's a lot he's like it's very much a lot and that just every time i walk by i'm like this game's a lot he's like it is very much a lot so then i i had to do uh just a couple deep dives on sort of the philosophical like underpinnings of like what is this game even trying to say what's it doing but for the hours i did sink into playing it i realized two things one if this game had come out when i was like 12 and had all the free time in the world it would be something i obsessively played until i was it like just the fact that you can check your emails in this game is like a weird throwback to old games that i absolutely love where it's just like here's a pointless feature that you it's completely optional but it's just nice um and the tone and the mood and everything like there is nothing quite like the surreal magic of turning that corner in these dark spooky woods and you get a robot fairground and the music shifts gears and it's like this kind of joyous happy so it's so surreal so weird and i just i love it and also yes as you you mentioned earlier katie music in that game's top to bottom like fantastic just so good i will one day a full do a full album i just i, I need to do other stuff first but 
I mean, <laughs> I, I've covered several songs. Um, I did Amusement Park on my first album, which came out last year. And yeah, you should definitely I, I like checking. I always suggest check that out because we were able to combine all three moods like it starts slow and then it, like the first time it goes through, then it builds up. And then the second time, like we have it like fully orchestrated. So like when we did that, we try to like incorporate the fact that like every time you go and as you progress in the story, the mood of the music changes. Like if you look at the OST for this game, there's usually several versions of the same song because depending on where you're at in the story, it invokes a different mood. And again, that's another thing that I have not really seen on other games or other soundtracks of like using the music to invoke the mood. So like, even though it's the same song, like slightly instrumenting it differently changes the whole vibe of it. And Mm. yeah, I really liked that. So that, Again, that was one of those things I was like, I've never experienced that in another game. And I was like, chef's kiss. This is top notch. <laughs> the yeah, no. But the the things I did catch during my playtime were stuff like that. The aesthetics are really interesting and they're very in, like it's a weird balance between kind of gothic and kind of industrial. It's very yeah, no, it just does some interesting st- things with lighting because it's got kind of a very flat lighting, but it still does some gorgeous compositions and uses that kind of washed out look. I had a great time with it. I do intend on like maybe one day. It was kind of funny because I still had my halfway through the first, you know, route playthrough thing. And then after my brother beat the game, he sheepishly came back and he's like, hey, so, uh, <laughs> so. I thought it would only delete my save file at the end. And I'm like, <laughs> I was probably going to have to start over anyway. It's fine. Oh, man, that's crazy. So you guys were playing on like the same. The same profile. Just profile. On, just two different yeah. save slots. Because I knew I knew what happened when you reached the end of the game. So right. I wasn't shocked about that. Right. But I was kind of under the impression. And so was he. Because once he saw it, he's like, OK, that's what you do. He he was under the impression that uh it would only delete his file, but no, no, we're, it's both gone. We got to start. Yeah, from the it beginning. wipes everything. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's how Yoko Taro gets you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, I mean, man. if to get to the game's core thematics, it's the only, it's the only way anyone's sacrifice makes sense is if it means something. If there is an actual empathy, you know, it doesn't cost you to be nice. Then is it really being nice? And then it's like. Yeah, but if you do actually have to give something up, doesn't that mean something? And doesn't that say something about us? Like, isn't that more interesting? And I'm like, yeah, this guy's actually trying to say stuff. I respect that. Yeah. Yeah, that that part at the ending was very unique. And, and like you're talking about how it actually meant something, because when you realize you're shooting all the, the credits and you're just getting destroyed because it's impossible i'm sure there's youtube videos out there of people doing it solo, there is, but and it's amazing not <laughs> yeah it would, it would have to be that'd be like pure memorization or something but the when you realize that yeah all those other little ships coming in to help you are other players who sacrifice their saves as well yeah it's it's really unique in a game yeah like, and, and that can be said for a lot of things along the way in in this game for sure you mentioned though the the tone, Caleb, or kind of the style. I think that's one of the things that drew me into it just in, like originally is just it looks 
awesome. Like the game, it's, it's you can tell that it's not the most expensive game ever made. Like you go to three or four zones over and over. Uh, they they get a lot of mileage out of the same areas because you do replay it and it all works. But you can just you can see where they got creative with kind of their, the limitations, their limitations in in either staff size or budget or whatever it was. And so the style is very simple, but it it almost. I think that's probably better than if they, you know, try to go a little bit more extravagant or over the top with it. It, it, I think that it works really well. The like the way that when you go back up to the moon, everything is like black and white. It it just it stands out. Yeah, yeah. It and I like as someone who kind of likes the the dark gothic. Yeah. Kind of industrial. Like I like how they wove that together, but it's not like so dark. Like there's there's still a lightness to it, but like it has those those dark elements and it like it worked fantastically. And I think like it helped that each of the areas were very distinct. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you had the desert area, you had the forest area, you had Pascal's village, you had like the resistance camp and like you said, the moon and like they, they were all distinct. They had their all flavor, but yet they worked together. And I think that really helped, you know, just kind of be like all right now we're in a new area and it has its own different vibe and it plays by its own rules and yeah yeah for sure what what did you guys think about the characters and um especially the ones you play as but even all the other ones like the ones you play as initially i thought 9s was kind of annoying like going into the game you know and that's probably intentional but then after actually playing as him in route B it completely flipped really how I felt about him. I thought he was pretty cool. And I like, I felt bad for the guy, which was probably the most I got out of that playthrough because I, I do feel like the second playthrough suffers from a lot of retreading. It's very similar to playthrough the first playthrough, but because you're seeing it from nine S's perspective, even if a lot of the gameplay stuff or, and not even just game, like not, I guess, specifically gameplay, but you're going through almost the exact same motions with slight variations. But because it's his perspective, the story is like wildly different. And I did not like the hacking initially. I don't know how you guys <laughs> felt about that. When I realized that the only way to be really effective in combat with 9S was to hack the crap out of stuff. It's like, oh man, I got, I got better at it i got good enough at it but then there was one section because i was determined not to drop the difficulty because near does a really cool thing with their difficulty options where you can basically put it on like autopilot if you just want the story you can go to easy mode equip these auto chips and just you know, like auto dodge auto this it's like it, it plays for you yeah. and i was determined i'm not i'm going to stay on normal through this game but there was one section hacking towards the end that I just, I was like, all right, that's enough. I've had enough. I've been beating my head against this for like an hour now. I dropped it to auto mode, blasted through that. And then I did go back to normal and managed to get through the rest of it. But just this one, I don't know if it was the day or, you know, if I would have come back to it the next day, I might've got it. But I was just like, no, I'm done with this. I'm moving on. Yeah, I definitely struggled at first, especially because at that point I wasn't a huge, like I said, I played a lot of nintendo games where like you didn't have full control of the camera so like coordinating both thumbs 
I was oh, right. I was struggling with for a while, but I I did get better. And yeah, there I think in, if it's the same hacking place, it's probably in the tower where you have like you have to hack all those chests and some of those. Yes, oh, I think that's where I think that's where it was. I struggled. I struggled. I I eventually got through it, and at this point, I was like, I might as well speed run because that's pre- precisely what I'm doing. I'm like optimizing my every little movement to get through this tiny little section, but. Yeah, other than that, like it was an interesting mechanic. And yeah, I like I like I liked it because I liked the juxtaposition. It wasn't just like, oh, here's a different weapon that moves a little bit differently. It's like, no, this is you're being thrown into like a 2D world and have at it. Good luck. <laughs> and it really made you appreciate how like combat is not 9S's strength. Yeah. Like he is that he he hacks that's his way he only has the one sword you know his his actual combat is just severely limited compared to two b's but if you can hack them some of them will die instantly it'll take half their health things like that so and it also made that ending section like if if they would have tried to do that ending thing and introduce the like the little shmup mini game thing there yeah it wouldn't have like worked as well so Integrating the hacking throughout the game. And also, I think that was another place where it was a creative use of like, it's a very simple thing to do that, but it, they made it fit the world and fit the game so well that, yeah, just it all, it all came together like that. I have two thoughts on the hacking before I tackle the larger character stuff. One is that watching Alex play those nine X sections was fascinating. Because he's yeah. really good at those, and he's really good at video games in general, so he'd just be, like, jumping around, flipping everywhere, and then hack, and then do the thing, and then kill the guy, and then it'd zoom back, and he'd fight and kill another guy and hack inside that one, and it'd be like, this is, you're making this look really cool, and I'm like, I'd probably die, like, 87 times during this, but okay, yeah. you do, you do you, bud. There's the always that thing. one friend. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. that that's Alex. Um, yes. <laughs> the other thing is that uh, I loved loved cannot stress enough how much i loved the simple detail of making a chiptune arrangement of every song mm. so when it zoomed in you're hacking and it just played the same beautifully yes. orchestrated music but now it's just like little bleeps and bloops and i'm like that's cool they get points for that they they yeah yeah i noticed that too when i was playing through and i was like oh yeah that's that's a really cool touch because it could have been so easy i mean so easy just to put in like the hacking mini game song and you would have gotten sick of it like an hour and a half in. It's like, yeah. oh, I got to hack again. Now I got to listen to the same little like 16-bit MIDI for mm-hmm. four yeah. minutes. Especially because some of the hacking sections can be like two or three seconds. Like, yeah. And it like hearing the same couple of notes over and over will be enough to drive anyone bonkers. Right. But- so the fact that it flowed in seamlessly like. It's playing at the same moment, like that yep. you jumped in. Mm-hmm. It just continues the song, but now it's chip tune. You get out, it breaks, it comes back out, and it's continuing on orchestrated like nothing happened. It was very good. I don't know, lack of a better word, there was a very good flow there where you were never just like stressed out. Like, I don't know, I'm currently playing through uh, at the time of this recording the Switch remake of Link's Awakening. And. Every time I pick up one of the little power ups that like gives you extra defense or extra attack power, it just plays this cute little jingle. But it's just the most obnoxious thing. It'll interrupt whatever great music's going on and it lasts like 12 seconds. And it so rarely is actually like really helpful. 
that it's just like, oh, that's a bummer. And that if adding some sort of little hacking jingle could have been the same thing, where it's just like, oh, I was listening to that, now I gotta listen to this again. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciated that. When it comes to characters, 9S is freaking tragic. I mean, it's a guy who, yeah. like, oh, he's just like a cute little puppy dog in love with his, you know, partner. And then it's like, oh, he's been horrendously mentally scarred, and now he's very unstable. Oh, no. Please lock him away. And now he's murdering people. Okay. That's, it's, it's a lot. Like, there's, there's a lot of, everyone in this game is a tragic figure. Let's not kid ourselves. Pascal's whole thing is incredibly depressing by the time you get to the end. <sighs> yep. Uh, one of the bits my brother made sure to show me before we did this, because I talked to him about it, because he's actually played through the whole thing. He's like, no, 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 no. You got to watch nine S's playthrough of the opera house, because I'd seen two B's. I'd play through two B's. He's like, no, 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 no. You have to see nine S's because nine S gets the whole story. And I'm like, okay. And I watched it. And I'm like, well, dang. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. That's neat. But just these characters get mulched by the, the story. I mean, you, you kind of see they're different, you know, two B is sort of a emotionalist representation of the status quo. She's like, this is how things are. This is thing, how things have to be. And this is how things will proceed to be. And the moment she starts to, like, let her guard down and realize, wait, I might be wrong. Things could be better. She dies. 9S, like I said, a puppy dog who's curious about the world, who's maybe not as good at hiding his emotions as Tubi is, actually, you know, feels and wants things and then watches as everything he cares about gets burned away and just loses his mind over it until he even rejects the reasons why he lost his mind in the first place. He's just like, at this point, I have to hate people and kill things because all i have left to do like i don't know what else to do and then you have a2 who's just like i just don't want to die and i want to kill things until i don't have to die you know there's just this sort of i it continue to exist because i have to continue to exist i have to bring down the conspiracy but like that's it's something to do you know at this point it's just like i have to move forward it's her starting to open up and realize oh shoot do i care about other people Ah. That's weird. And yet she's still, you know, in a bunch of the endings, doesn't doesn't make it out. Like, doesn't she she has she either dies herself or sacrifices herself to, you know, help fix 9S. There's just a lot of tragedy all around, which is why that ending really hits me to where the two little pods. By the way, I think I think 2B's pod is my favorite character in the entire game. First of all. <laughs> Because, you know, at first he's just very logic based. And then as he starts to develop a personality, it's one that's really sarcastic and kind of doesn't like A2. And I just think that's funny. And then at the end, his thing about like, I feel really silly right now. The other pod's like, I think maybe being a human means constantly feeling silly. He's like, I don't know what that means yet. I'm going to log it for when I have developed more emotions. <laughs> it's, there's just tons of great little bits there. But I just that that hit me so hard at the end where the little pods are like, this ending sucks, and I think we can do better. Like, we we can we can make this better. We don't have to give up. And I'm like, oh, okay, that hits. That's good, because it's a depressing carousel for all of those characters, what they have to go through. Yeah, especially when you have the song Weight of the World playing in the background yeah. while all of that's going on, and it's on repeat. And I like how, like, even though it's on repeat, they, like... Again, they bring in, they, they modify the music as it goes on, where, like, they kind of bring in the choir, and then they have all three versions of it going, because they have, like, the English, 
the Japanese and the made up language that they use throughout the music and all of it. And yeah, so then you have those lyrics playing in your head while that's going on. And it's just like, oh, right in the feels, right? The feels like. It's like you you expect to play video games to feel happy and then you go through like this and it's like a great game and you're like, this is depressing as hell. (laughs) And it's like, but it kind of like there's still that glimmer of hope at the end. Like even after all of that, the hope rests on these two little pods that were kind of in the background the whole time. And they're like nah, we can do better. Like, we can fix this. And we're going to fix this. And you have that little glimmer of hope at the end. And you're like, that's why I play this game. Yeah, they they say something about, you know, this could fix nothing. This could, it could all fall apart again, but we're going to try anyways. Yeah, it's like the the future is left open to decide that. And you get that great last shot of, uh, 2B and 9S being put back together and then it just like the window A2 and then the little dove lands next to her. It's like, I think video games are good. I think I think that's what I've learned here today. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> you, you mentioned that final song playing during the credits. Apparently, based on some of my YouTube rabbit holes I went down uh, preparing for this episode, they had like a bunch of people, if not everybody that worked in the studio, like singing in that choir, which yeah. I thought was kind of a a cool little it's not really an easter egg but just a cool thing they did which i will also plug so part of way to the world i released as a pre-order bonus for my um, ep but then i released it as a single i kind of did the same thing i went to twitter and i was just like who wants to be part of this choir so (laughs) um if you check out that again we started the song with like kind of like the 8-bit version and then it transitions into like flute and then we got my daughter to sing part of it and then we like i said we just like we're on twitter we're like hey just send us a clip it doesn't even have to be good because it's gonna be mixed in with a bunch of other people and i think Mm -hmm. we had like five or six people send us stuff and so we just kind of had that little choir at the end as, as a fade out so yeah kind of gave an homage to what you know the studio did with the song as well yeah, that's really cool. It's cool that you had people that, you know, were willing to just kind of put it out there like that. Yeah, we had some people were like, we, I, they're like, I can't sing. And we're like, well, listen, we're not asking for lyrics. Like, here's the song. Just kind of get it in the approximation. And since like there's five or six and, you know, I, I'm a musician, I know how to mix and master stuff. Like we, we were able to like mix it all together and, you know, put light edits on stuff just so it kind of was cohesive. Cause like you're gathering you know six or seven strangers and one that have never met are not interacting at all and trying to make it cohesive so it it worked out i think it turned out really good i still need to do a video for it and with the video we're gonna have like the pods talking but it's gonna be like my daughter and my husband doing the talking Um. and i have a couple people who play flute that i'm gonna have like i had them take videos of them lifting their flute kind of in the whole we're joining you on this quest thing so again homage to the to the final you know shooting of the credits so wow yeah, yeah. that sounds really cool one day i gotta finish it <laughs> right <laughs> it's, it's it's on there <laughs> well uh caleb kind of you know mentioned story stuff and was talking about you know the kind of depressing nature and where the characters end up and that glimmer of hope but what what moments stood out to you or what what things about the story did you really get into or 
or want to touch on? I mean, I I kind of like how it it twists and turns a little bit. Like you start the story thinking, yes, the machines are evil and mm. we have to destroy all of them. And then you realize that like, you know, and like, yeah, we have to save humanity. We got to get humanity back to earth. And then you realize that humanity has been gone for a long time. There is yeah. no more humanity at this point. And that the androids have part of them that are from the machines. Like, the machines are literally part of them because they're disposable. And you're like, I'm sorry, you're telling me what now? Like, this entire time. Like, when you find out that, like, humanity has been gone, you're like, what have I been doing (laughs) for the past however many hours playing this game? What's the point? (laughs) What is the point in all of this if there's no humanity? And... Yeah, it's just it's it's like those little moments and then like you realize A2 wasn't all bad. Like she's kind of made out to be like this bad guy that you're probably going to fight again at some point and then you're like no, nah, she just kind of was tired of doing this for no reason, went off to do her own thing and that's that's it. Like but they wanted her dead because she knew too much, which I mean that's a story as old as time. So, yeah, it's just kind of like and then, like, 2B dies. Like, you don't expect the character that you played first and played, probably, arguably, play the longest as yeah. to, to just to just die. To just yeah. die and just be gone for the rest of that, for the rest of the game at that point. And, like, that's, you know, that's still a significant chunk of the game, too. And I'm just like, it went there. It went there. And I'm glad it went there. I'm sad. I'm crying, <laughs> but I'm glad it went there because, again, it wasn't afraid to get real and touch on the topics of, like, why do we do the things that we do? Why do we just accept things that the way th- that they are that way instead of questioning, is this really worth doing? Yeah. Yeah, I thought that A2 was I – li- I really liked her. Um, I liked her design and how she – was just slightly more machine. Like you could tell she was an older model and, and she just seemed a little bit more worldly and rugged and, and all of that. But I definitely was a little bit upset when I had to start playing as her. I was like, not, not to be (laughs) (laughs) because yeah, that moment was, and I, I don't know if they could have done it any differently, but that being the, the thing that really pushed 9S over the edge. I was like, in the moment, like, it, it all makes sense. But in that moment, I kind of felt like, oh, okay, well, this, in this game of all these kind of crazy twists and turns, this one thing feels a little cliche. Like, this feels like the that thing we've seen before where it's like, if he would have just, if they would have just had one simple little conversation, could have been like, yeah, she was infected and she asked me to do that. But, you know, 9S was too far away for them to actually talk to each other about it and just was blinded with rage and so that was like maybe one tiny little pet peeve i had with it but that in the grand scale of what was going on it didn't amount to very much but well i think too like that's it sounds cliche but like i think it's so true of human nature though. Like so many yeah. problems could be solved if you would have just had a two minute conversation. But when someone like we also have to think like 9S his memory has been erased hundreds, thousands of times at this point. Like, you know, imagine doing that to your computer every couple of weeks. You're just wiping everything and starting over. Like eventually <laughs> eventually stuff's just gonna stop working properly. Right. And 
you know, and that happens to people when they have such trauma. And sometimes like there's just so much anger that no, no rational conversation would ever soothe that anger because as misguided as it is, it's kind of understandable, but like, they're not going to see reason. So it's cliche, but like, I, I, I personally didn't mind it because I was just like, there's people out there that, that are exactly like this. And that, I think that ties into their machines, but they're, there's, they have a lot of humanity in them. And, uh, yeah, I think like, that was kind of the point is like, these machines have humanity. They've replaced the humans at this point, and they 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 have emotions, and they behaved as humans did, even though they've never interacted with humans ever. Yeah, that that's a good point, and I I think that that as like a story mechanism is cliche, just because it's used so often. But it's yeah. used so often because it's you know it's accurate and it's relatable, like you said. And so that, I guess maybe that was just more what I meant. Like it makes sense right. in this in the story of the game, but it's like in a game that's so creative with what it's doing, that just seemed like a kind of a simple thing that happened. No, but it I, definitely I get that. Yeah, it definitely makes sense and it fits. And it 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 didn't. I wasn't like, oh well, the, the, this game's now only a seven out of ten. You know, <laughs> it, it didn't do that to me, but it just it was one of those little things. It was like, oh okay, but yeah, I overall really the story and the way it was presented and all that other than just a few hacking things and stuff like that, that kind of like slowed my progress. I thought it was, was excellent, well-paced, well-told and unique in how it was presented. The, and the, the moment to moment gameplay, especially as 2B and A2, I, I really loved because it was, once I got a grasp on how the dodge worked with like the right trigger and stuff, which is like the button layout was a little unique for games that I typically play. But once I got the feel for it, I really liked how it was was set up and it was really satisfying to pull stuff off. It looked flashy. It looked cool. Having the the guns and stuff from your pod added an additional layer, them changing the camera angles on you so that you're fighting top down now. Now you're fighting from the side and now it's like a free, like, you know, regular action game. And it just looked cool as hell the whole time. But the what you were doing as far as inputs wasn't overly complicated. Like it didn't take a lot to get good at that combat system, which I appreciated. So yeah. you could kind of within a few hours or so you were you were holding your own pretty well. Yeah. And especially I know that this it was really important. Um there is a speedrunner called Half Coordinated and he has um a, a disability of sort and I don't remember what it is, but he he can't use his like the right half of his body. So he plays one-handed. Half, oh, wow. Hence half coordinated. And yeah. He really appreciated the fact that you could remap the controller to whatever yes. you wanted. And he's like, there's not a lot of games that do it, especially at that time. Now I think it's becoming a lot more common. Right. But he's like, I can I can speed run this game because I can set up the controller in ways that allow me to be able to do it one handed. And yeah, uh, I think he did a run a couple years ago at uh, SGDQ and yeah, it, it was amazing to watch him speed run this game with one hand. And I was just like, I can't do most of that stuff with both of my hands. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, I, I think like that's an important thing to mention too. Like the, the controller was completely remappable and I definitely made use of that to some extent. Um, 
But at the time, from what I can understand, not a lot of games were doing that. They had some tweaks here and there, but like the fact yeah. that you can completely remap the controller was is a nice touch, I think. Yeah, for accessibility, for sure. Back then, that there that's kind of ahead of the curve, and I didn't even really realize it because, you know, like, just in the last couple of years, uh, Last of Us Part Two is really heavily praised for their accessibility options. Assassin's Creed Valhalla got some recognition for all the stuff they put in, and I mean that was like last year. So for for uh, Platinum and Square to be doing this when this game originally came out is is really cool. I didn't even. I didn't dive into those menus because, you know, I don't I don't really need them, but I really do appreciate when they put things in there for pe- for people that can't play the way I do. I think that accessibility in games, I think, is a really important thing and then something that I'm really happy to see the industry kind of focusing on now and putting more importance on. As far as stuff in the menus that I did play with outside of dropping it to easy that one time. The chip system was really cool. I liked that a lot. I liked how you could just kill yourself if you took your operating system chip out. That was such a troll thing to do. But just, I liked just, that was just one of those satisfying kind of upgrade systems, I thought. I liked how it worked. I like how you could upgrade the chips you got. I liked how they all stacked and you were trying to like optimize fitting them in yeah. there and, and which ones you like, do I want to be have more aggressive, like, combat chips do i want more like defensive protective stuff and i'm getting wrecked in this fight so maybe i'll drop some of these that i don't necessarily need in favor of some more defense i I thought that was a really cool take on the like rpg upgrade mechanic i agree i know the one chip that i always like to get the second i could get it was the auto pickup chip auto heal (gasps) or auto pickup no the auto pickup oh I, i didn't the auto heal was also nice but the auto pickup so you didn't have to stop and pick it up yes like it just it was like a magnet yeah. to you i think you could get that from devil and popola towards the end of route a and i was like got it like yeah <laughs> especially as someone like because i did so much like upgrading of everything and i i did like fully complete the game you did a lot of grinding so it was nice to not have like those little time saves like made grinding a little a little more bearable oh for sure because so. it it's not as bad as Red Dead Redemption 2, but like the little animation that you had to do every time you picked up one of the items that was like, you know, in the orange cylinder thing. Yeah. And it like it completely come to a stop, bend over, like pick it up, that kind of thing. It That did get frustrating. Auto heal saved me in the beginning of the game so much. That was that was a lifesaver. By the end, I had kind of gotten used to manually healing in certain situations where things were getting hairy. But yeah. I think the kind of the last thing I want to ask you, Katie, and then I'll I'll open it up to you and Caleb again to just kind of wrap up any major thoughts, final thoughts we want to get out of the way. But I didn't 100% this game. I kind of just, I wouldn't say mainlined. I did do some side stuff, but you probably have a much better grasp on a lot of the side content. I'm curious what you thought about that, if you can speak to that a little bit, Yeah, how that is in this game. Um. I really liked it. Uh, you got a little bit more information about some of the side characters, you know, like Angles, the giant robot that is in the middle of the uh, the overworld. There's a side quest with him where he like kind of talks about his past and how he got to be where he was, which is really interesting. Or like um, Big Sister, like one of the machines from Pascal's Village, went out yes. into the desert. 
Um, I did do that one. Yeah, I, I thought that one was really cute. And like the asking, where do babies come from? And it's just like those little yeah. touches that I'm just like, <laughs> I, I just laughed. I was like, I, I love this sense of humor. So like you kind of got to see that like these machines that we've been killing for the most part have formed families. And, right. you know, like the the son that locked himself in his room, I was like, I relate to that. I have a son. He likes to try to he can't lock himself in his room. But he likes to slam the door and pretend he can. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like these things that at the beginning of the game we were taught are like trying to destroy humanity actually aren't. And they formed their own families and their own community. And. Yeah, it's it's little stuff like that or like some of the stuff for the resistance camp. You find out the androids were making their own families and re- forming relationships and you, f- you know, you start to get more of the dynamic of like, well, one of them was an assassin and had to kill her partner and she had her memory erased. And then she was like, I want to find out what happened. But she couldn't remember that she was the one that killed uh, killed her partner. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so it's. Yeah, it was nice to, like, kind of have, like, that additional information just about the world building. So, I really, some of them were hard, not going to lie. Some of them were hard, and I was just like, why do I do this to myself? There's a couple (laughs) of them. I was like, why do I continue to do this to myself? But for the most part, like, I really like them. I like doing side quests because sometimes I'm just like, I don't want this story to end. And if I keep playing the story, it's going to end. But if I side quest, I get to stay within this in the world, world yeah. and that's you know that's partially why like i 100 percent the games that i play because i'm just like i want to stay in this world longer and this is a way to do it and find out more like get really immersed in the world and find out more about backstories and relationships and how everything's connected and intertwined yeah i i totally get that because there are definitely games where i do that where i don't want it to end i mentioned red dead 2 earlier that was one of them where i you know didn't want it to end the witcher i mean if you listen to this podcast at all if you go back to the backlog like i've played the witcher like five times so that's like my favorite game ever and that's same thing i got to do every side quest everything i can just because i love being in that world and i love those characters and so I, i definitely get that so most of the side stuff in in near is just kind of more world building and fleshing out of all that side stuff. Yeah. I think I'd, I'd like to go back maybe and do like a slower playthrough and kind of poke around a little bit more. I definitely think it's worth it. I mean, there are some side quests that like, cause like there's a racing one that by the time you get to like the second and the third iteration, it's just like, (laughs) it's rough. Um, (laughs) it can be, it can be a little rough. So like, that's not really worth it, but like, you know, A2 has side quests and like she starts to like soften up through it. Like she helps the she helps the little village, the Pascal's village children build a slide. And it's just like if that isn't the most wholesome thing in this entire game <laughs> where A2, who hates everyone and wants to just kill machines and almost killed this village for no reason, like helps the children have a slide. It's just like, yeah. oh, that is adorable. And then, you know, 10 minutes later, your heart's ripped out anyway. But <laughs> Yes, for sure. Uh, Yeah, so anything that you guys want to make sure we cover before we close this out? We 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 didn't mention the one of the things that uh, gets brought up a lot in like video essays about characters being named after philosophers. There's there is a lot of that uh, and being like kind of takes on a lot of old you know philosophies and stories and stuff like that 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 was cool it's a cool thing to kind of explore and 
I missed a lot of that playing the game, but going and like watch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, educating myself about it. It was like, oh, that that's that's cool. That's cool that they did that. Yeah. And that's how you know that like you have a really good game is that like you're playing it and you're so immersed. And then like as you learn more, you realize all the little details that they put into it that like not everyone gets, but once you learn it, you're like, oh, that is really, really cool. Because, like, I didn't pick up on some of the philosophy stuff either until, like, someone else had mentioned it. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, that, that is in there. And that is really cool how they incorporated that. So. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, my, my brother, I don't know if he minored in philosophy or just took a lot of philosophy classes in college. But he thought this game was interesting partially because of all that. He sent me a homework basically homework amount of video <laughs> essays to brush up on this and um the youtube channel wisecrack did a shorter 16 minute video on the most philosophical game ever the philosophy of near the philosophy of near autonomy and then uh, a channel by the name of adam millard the architect of games he did a video called a comprehensive reading of near automata massive spoilers it is an hour long and well worth it as it sums up the entire game and really digs into the meat of what all of that philosophical stuff mean. Like, well, why did they name these characters this way? Why did they do this and that? And it's like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, that's definitely something that I still don't have the best grasp on and can't really like speak to on a deep level. But for sure, if you're listening to this episode and you haven't checked out some of those videos, you you definitely should because it does add a whole a whole nother dimension to this game that that's really interesting. It sits nicely on the shelf of like metafictional games about video games and about larger life questions that I really like along with like Undertale and Doki Doki Literature Club. So if you like any of those, check this one out. Awesome. Katie, throw it back to you one last time if there's anything you want to make sure we cover. And I mean, I think that's that covers the gist of it. Like I just say, just play the game. And if not, just watch someone play the game. It's it's not like I said, I watched it, but I didn't really fall in love with it until I experienced it, until I became those characters. And it's uh I yeah, I, I think yeah. everyone should check it out. I mean, you gotta get past like some of the you know, if you die within the first section, you start over and that can be frustrating. But it's it's one of those things that like that frustration's worth it. It it really is. Cause then once you get to the meat of the game, it's it's smooth sailing from there. Yeah, and I I don't want it to be understated how like good and impactful the music is in this game because it's one of those things and I I would say the other two games that I would put there with it for me personally are is The Witcher 3 and Bloodborne where like I can just hear a few notes from any song from that game and I'm immediately right back there feeling the same things I felt like just and this is the same way I was looking up some different songs and stuff to maybe try to you know pepper in this episode when it's all said and done and it's just like just listening to those first few notes or that menu music when it kicks off when you first launch the game it's just like oh right back there again like it's it, it's one of those 10 out of 10 they couldn't have done a better job creating the music for this game for what it is to do what they were trying to do with it and they really yeah they knocked it out of the park so that alone is worth checking this game out for absolutely so yeah if, if nothing just go listen to the soundtrack <laughs> yeah, yeah but you'll really appreciate it more if you'll you've experienced yeah. the tragedy that went along with a lot of these songs so 
Uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and move into our closing game for this episode. for us this week i have the perennial favorite synonym role with a theme normally you know we like to for any of our games uh for any first time listeners here we have our various games that we do with a theme usually tied to the episode this one i'm not gonna have you guys try to guess the theme like i usually do i'm just gonna tell it to you because it is a bit weirder and that is movies about robots I figured movies about robots. Okay. Yes. Well, the problem I wanted to do it at video games about robots, but do you know that basically there's not ev- that many? Well, or they're all that way. No, no, no. There's there's not a whole lot. There are plenty, but they all have robot in the name. It's like every single one of them wants you to understand. Like, no, no, no. There's a robot in this game. You know, like you got Mega Man, but then like every other one is like you know Robot Rumble or like it, just a lot. Are robots, I don't know, that I need to ask you this, but like would Titanfall fall in that category? Titanfall, I might have been able to work in there, but that's... that's. Uh, what about the Sonic games that have Metal Sonic? See, that's where, that's the other problem you run into, <laughs> where it's sort of like, I guess robots are in this. Robots in video games are such a common occurrence that it's sort of like, I mean, I guess technically that would be like, Ratchet and Clank would count. Yeah. Shoot. I mean, some of them like Detroit Become Human would be a little bit better, but still, it's like, there's not nearly enough. Or they're just in like everything. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I forgot robots were in that. So to narrow it down, I just picked movies that were that were robot. Uh, so, Caleb, how do I play synonym role? That's what I was trying to get to, and my brain just <laughs> shorted out entirely. I didn't help you. Yeah. So synonym role, how this works is we take a title, uh, usually of a video game, but in today's case, a movie, and we run each individual word through thesaurus.com, basically, and like, what's a nice, weird, different way to say the same word? And what you're left with is a bizarre, horrifying mis- mishmash of those are technically words that you have to try to figure out what they originally were. So long-time <laughs> listeners will know our favorite example is when I did audio bush pig dropping the the it should have been audio the bush pig and it was sonic the hedgehog uh, which is where our official mascot mascot the bush pig comes from (laughs) yeah some of our best like uh inside jokes have come from this game so yep 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 yep. because it's just ludicrous what the words become so yeah essentially you're going to get a string of words and you have to try to put together based on synonyms what the original movie was and don't don't worry too much because i'm also terrible at this game so i like hosting it because it's really fun (laughs) to come up with the the new titles but when i play it it's like oh yeah brain things that's challenging okay movies that have movies about robots okay yeah so the theme will help narrow it down maybe yeah because i'm not very good i don't watch very many movies i spend all my time gaming i'm right there with you but caleb is the movie guy so this is on brand for him yeah (laughs) 
I almost did also. I also almost also included books about robots, but there are really oh, man. only a couple, and I just didn't want to. Thanks. Uh, all right. <laughs> Thanks. So we'll start with now. Some of these I will have to admit. Oh, Lord. They are s- the subtitles. They're famous subtitles. I did okay. not just choose like that, but you have ones where like once you knew the word was Star Wars, it was a walk in the park. Star Wars is not on any of these, but you know, it it's one of those things where you pick up that one, you get the rest of it. All right. So let's start with Shank Courier. Courier? Yeah. I guess Courier. Courier. Yeah. Okay. Um uh, anyone want to run? Want to run up and take a stab in the dark? <sighs> I feel like that's a hint. <laughs> I was like, st- "Shank stab." What's that stab? <laughs> um, courier is like a, like a uh, mailman. Del- oh, like yeah, the like only thing delivery. I think of is like Kiki's delivery service, but obviously that's not. <laughs> it. it's like, no, but it's you like- did just remind me. I could have used like um. Castle in the Sky, that has a robot in it. Guy would never have gotten that. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'll get this. Let's see. If it helps, shank is not a verb. Okay. That does that does slightly help. I guess. We, we might need some more hints. Okay. Very famous movie from the 70s. Shank Courier? I'm sure that people are yelling at their radios right now. They're like, come on, it's so easy. (laughs) Yeah. This is not a verb, so it's like, uh, spike. Okay, which, I can give you another synonym for either of the words. Which one would you rather have? Courier. Racer. Huh. From the 70s. Yep. Oh. (laughs) Oh my god. Blade Runner? It is, in fact, Blade Runner. Oh. That's the point there. I'm going to edit that to make myself sound a lot smarter. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, I yeah. forgot Blade Runner came out in the 70s. Yep. Yeah, and, and then it thinking... came out again. Well, the second one, yeah. Which, well, I was know. thinking it originally came out in the 80s. I forgot that it was oh. 70s. I still wouldn't have gotten it. <laughs> that didn't help at all. But <laughs> Blade should have. I mean, how many... It did actually come out in the 80s. I was wrong. It's 82. I thought it was 70. Oh, well, good. Okay. So so I'm a little smart. You got got that one over on me. You're you're doing good. You get trivia points. All right. So that's a point for me. All right. We're going to come back to my second one because that might be a little too esoteric. This one is a subtitle. Okay. Chastisement, period. Okay. Uh, I feel like... I feel like I'm closer on this one than the last one. Um, And this is the subtitle you said, right? Yep. Chastisement. That should be. Oh, man, I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, hint. (laughs) Okay, which word do you want another synonym for? Chastisement or period? Chastisement. Okay. Okay. Uh, Punishment. Punishment, period. I mean, the only thing I'm thinking of is Chucky playtime, but <laughs> that's. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, some people would probably think. Okay, we'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> one of the newer Chucky movies, I think it was a he was a robot in that one instead of just like literally a demon possessed doll. 
do we want to come back to this one in a minute and try something else? No, you're going to just have to start feeding us hints. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another one for chastisement would be doom. And another one for period would be time. Yeah, I was thinking time in my head. <laughs> yeah, no, this it's the second word's a little bit was a little bit tougher to get uh synonyms for, I'm not gonna lie. It's a very specific thing and it's like you've only got so many options. Right. Uh what about hints for the movie? Alright. This time I'm gonna look up the date before I say it because <laughs> my apparently supernatural skill of knowing exactly when everything came out was failing me today. All right. Although I know the release date of this one, I'm just being pedantic now. <laughs> That's not like you at all. Yeah, 1991 was its original release date. It's currently streaming on Netflix if anyone's never seen it. It's really good. Punishment time. Would it be Terminator? It would, in fact, be Terminator. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Judgment Day, yeah. Oh. Yay, got Okay. <laughs> I was trying to think of a Terminator movie, but I guess I couldn't remember the subtitles. <laughs> well, you were tied up. All right. All right. One to one. Okay. The Adamant Colossus. The Last Giant. No. The Iron Giant. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I don't know where Last came from. There we go. The Iron Giant. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Just had to warm up, maybe. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll maybe. see. Yeah, thanks. This... This one's slightly less known, but it's it worked really well, so I'd had to go with it. Actual metal. Real steel. Oh, hey, yeah, you got it. <laughs> that was the Hugh, Hugh Jackman, Jackman boxing. boxing. Yep. Yeah, oh. I actually, I've actually seen that. I have, too. It was actually pretty charming. Not like the greatest film ever, but good good times. And, you know, Hugh Jackman, he's always yeah. pretty I'm, good. I'm a, I'm a fan of Hugh Jackman. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm trying to decide if I want to go with... Let's go back, circle back to the esoteric one. <laughs> automaton fuzz is this a main title yep. or a subtitle main title okay um i got nothing <laughs> Maton uh, fuzz you got it katie quit, quit acting like you don't know no what i don't i <laughs> i don't watch that many movies especially movies about robots i'm realizing that neither do i do we want another yeah you're gonna need some sort of hint to get the get the wheels rolling on this one for which word fuzz fuzz (laughs) (laughs) is that like hair no as soon as i give literally that i i picked that one because it's the most you know what you know what i'll use this one it's a cheat it's a little bit of a well no hang on i found another better one Centurion. For oh, 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 um, Robocop. It is indeed Robocop. Oh, uh, Centurion Fuzz, as in Fuzz. <laughs> yes, I would have not gotten that one. Called in the Fuzz. <laughs> the Fuzz. <laughs> All right, we got two more. All right, this one is a another subtitle. Scrimmage Cherub. Scrimmage Cherub? Yep. And this Uh, is a subtitle. Yes. Katie looks like she's right there. She knows it. 
I feel like I sh- I should know this. <laughs> is it um oh what was that um the the words are battle angel right yes the the main the movie was Alita yes that is correct Alita uh, Alita, Alita battle. battle angel that is I correct. was thinking like I knew it was angel so- like angel was in it but I was just like I couldn't man that. That was a wild movie. I actually did watch that one uh, a couple years ago. My wife and I watched it. And I was like, wow, that was actually better than I thought it'd be. I've heard but, surprisingly good things. I have yet to actually get around to it, but I've heard like, yeah, that was actually cool, pretty cool. Pretty cool world and like cool action and stuff like that. And it it ended on a cliffhanger type thing where I was like, oh, that's where we're ending. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, Hopefully we get a sequel, maybe. We all can hope. We all can hope. All right. All right. So this is your last one. Yes. So going into the final round. <laughs> sorry, Katie. It's, it's fine. one to five. <laughs> but you're gonna get this one, and I we'll give hope. you four points for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Guess the guest bonus. <laughs> Left sphere. Left sphere. Yep. Is left a- the direction. Yes. I'm going to think it's something world, but my knowledge of robot movies is very limited. Yeah, or I'm trying to think if there's one that's got, like, ball in the title. Yeah. Or... uh, I will say, as a hint, the TV show of this is probably better known than the movie at this point. Stargate? No, but that's a good guess. That has nothing to do with Left Sphere, but it's the only <laughs> thing that I can think of where the TV show is like well, more well known than the movie. Right, it's a thing where people are like, "There's a movie." That's yeah. that's similar to what you're going to get here. There's as soon as one of you figures okay. out, you're going to be like, "Wait, there's a movie of this?" <laughs> is the show still running? Hang on, let me see. Okay, so it's not like super in the zeitgeist right now. If you have to look it up, right? But it also is a yes. Okay, it is still running. That's another thing I don't watch TV. <laughs> What's a TV show with robots that's still running? Left Sphere. I guarantee you there are people screaming in their car right now listening I'm to this. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. gonna I'm gonna scream as soon as I guess it, probably or as soon as Katie gets it because uh, she knows this one. I wish. And it's a TV show too. Oh, 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 oh. Um I'm going to hate myself, aren't I? <laughs> yes. HBO uh, Westworld. It is, in fact, Westworld. Uh, that I didn't realize. I've heard of Westworld, but I didn't realize it had robots. Yep. That's the entire, it's a quote unquote theme park filled with uh, robots that you reenact your old West fantasies, or as they soon discover, uh, like samurai fantasies, or literally any other sort of scenario you could think of that that's just like, we, bu- we built robots to reenact stuff with you. So, all right. And yes, there was a movie with Yul Brenner as a deranged killer robot cowboy. Well, I was half right. I said world. You were there. Yeah, I yeah. thought you were about to grab it and then uh, you backed off. That, that's okay. My that happens. of robot movies is very limited. So <laughs> That happens a lot in this game, though, where you almost got it and then you back off and the person hosting is just like, right, <laughs> right there. I know. There's going to be so many people that are like yelling at their screens or like, 
Yeah, but see, Caleb's trying to bring in more of that movie podcast stuff onto the main show. I keep that's why we got them their own show. But <laughs> no, that was fun. Uh, next time we have you on, Katie, we'll be sure to go more video game for you so that you can crush well, us. Even <laughs> then, I mean, I I play like I play like two games now, and that is Zelda and Nier because I've been playing Replicant. So mm. um, currently trying to platinum that really quickly. As a transition into your final plugs, but also I'm just curious, how is Replicant? Like, how's it? Come? I was going to ask the same thing. I, I really specifically like, it. So, like if if you've only played Automata, like how is it? It's really good. I played Gestalt on the PS3, and so I I have like I've played both now, and I really like it. The remaster is fantastic. They took out some of the clunkiness of the movement, so it's a little bit more fluid, like um, Automata, but it still has like some of its original mechanics if that makes sense um the it's music, not a platinum game no right. i don't think so. yeah um but yeah the the music is fantastic i like that it's the same songs but they they redid them a little bit so you still okay. have like that original character of the original songs but like it's a little bit more modern a little bit more updated i really like that they added a couple more story elements and i think and I haven't done this yet because, like I said, I'm waiting until I complete everything to finally see it. I know what happens, but they tie Replicant to Automata at the end, which they didn't do in the original. But I think, mm. like, once you – again, it's one of those ones you end up deleting your file. Like, I think everyone at this point knows. Um, right. It seems to be a, a theme within the near universe. But after you delete your file and restart the game and then get, like, a little bit into it, it then transitions into, like, a story of how it's connected, which I haven't experienced yet, but I'm really excited, too. So I really enjoy it. If you liked Automata, you'll like Replicant. And it's nice to kind of see, like, you're in the like you're in the desert in Automata, and now you get to see the people that lived there, and you get to experience them because the robots in Automata have the masks, and now you get to know where that mask came from, and right. why they wore that mask. So yeah, you you kind of get to see some of those like you see you learn why Emil was so connected to the lunar tier. You learn more. You get to like hang out with Emil, which Emil has his original form, and that's. It's really cool. So you get more of that depth of the backstory. So like, yeah, you could totally play Automata, never play Replicant and be perfectly fine. But if you really want to get more of how it ties together and more of that history, Replicant is definitely the way to go. I, I I'm really definitely going to play it at, at some point. I don't know when, but I'm going to play it at some point. I definitely suggest it. It's not, I, I love Automata a little bit more. I think that's always going to have a special place in my heart. Yeah. But Replicant, solid game. Um, And the the remaster, I know some people are always leery of the remaster. They, they did a great job with it, I think, having played both. So awesome. Sweet. Well, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and, and shout out your, your stuff again where yeah. people can find you what you're up to and yeah we'll close this one out so you can find me at youtube.com slash katie shesko um there you can find my music videos of the music that i release again it's all video game covers but it features the flute i also do clip videos of my breath of the wild bingo so if you're just looking for 10 minutes of laughing at the hilarity that me and my friends are up to uh, you can check those out there as well um, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Katie Shesko. I play Breath of the Wild. I play a little bit of Nier. 
mostly that's where I, I game, but my bingos are pretty popular. So that's if you're interested in finding out what a Breath of the Wild bingo is, you can definitely check out my Twitch channel for that on Spotify at Katie Shesko, Apple, iTunes, anytime, any place that you stream music, you can find me just looking up Katie Shesko. And uh, I have a Patreon, so you can check me out there. Some bonus content as well. And yeah, that's about it. So yeah, if you just Google my name, you'll find me. I'm the only one that's out there playing flute on the internet and <laughs> on Twitch. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and yeah. geeking out about Nier and I'll have to send. Us. I'll have to send a picture of my tattoo. Well, I mean, this is going to go on YouTube, right? Let's see if I can. Yeah. Get. Oh yeah, she has a two B tattoo. Tattoo for all the audio listeners, and it's it's massive. It's, it's like massive. Yeah, half of her leg. That's awesome. <laughs> I'll have to take a. I'll have to get a good picture and uh, send it to you. I'll attach it with everything. Um, yeah, yeah, I loved awesome. it so much, and I wasn't expecting it to be that big. But then when my artist drew it out, I was just like. Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you're trying to get something with like that much detail, it's gotta. Yeah. Gotta well, be I was a just like, size. I was like, here's two B. Like, she's kind of the inspiration. So I was thinking like the Yorha symbol and maybe the black box and the lunar tears. But then she actually drew two B with the sword, and I was like, that's not what I was expecting, but it's awesome. Let's go for it. Yeah, that that is really cool. All right. Well, I just want to say thanks for checking out this episode of the Level Playing Field podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Again, please go check out our website, levelplayingfieldgaming.com, where you can find all of our socials, our YouTube channel, and our Patreon. And if you want to write into the show directly, feel free to shoot us a message on social media or email us at lpfgamespodcast at gmail.com. A big thank you to my co-host Caleb and our very special guest Katie, and an even bigger thank you to our listeners and especially our patrons. We sincerely appreciate your support. I say goodbye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for having me. Goodbye. Love